Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through. And apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through. I'm your host, Paul Verhoeven, and across from me and a billion miles away at this point is my ex-cop and ex-firefighter dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, we're doing it on the phone today because we've had a bit of a tech issue, haven't we? Yeah, what a bummer. I was sitting here all excited with my magnificent studio set up. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's magical. You've got to see it. I know, I know. Look, I know it's good, but we are we are separated by a gulf of distance, so why not chuck a tech issue into the mix? Look, one of the great things about this show is that occasionally we go on a tangent, and we've had quite a few people comment on, like, why didn't you pursue this line of inquiry? Why didn't you chase down that lead? Why didn't you force Dad to finish this story? Well, last week on Loose Units, you mentioned something about a crossbow, and we've had no end of hassling about that case. So this episode, we're going to dip back in time and go back to the police era. And Dad, would you like to explain to everyone the case of the crossbow killer? Can I just digress for a sec? Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's, it's on brand. Yep. Uh, because, no, I've, I've had two coffees this morning. <laughs> I'm like, like, if I can just say this to the listeners, firstly, I'd like to say that... Um, it's such an honour and a privilege to be with you all twice a week. It's thrilling. In fact, and for people that maybe listen more than once, it could be three or four or even five times a week. Please Go don't, Dad. I mean, that puts in my head the notion of doing five podcasts a week with you. No, it's, and it's... Yeah, but I, look, what happened was I, because I, I like to sort of mix, you know, funeral, police, <clears throat> fire and all those other stories into the mix because that's just how my brain works. Some people might question that. I was fortunate enough to pick up a really good collection of um, antique inkwells and associated paraphernalia uh, on the weekend, which I was really happy about. Are you, are you sort of at this juncture thinking, what, what, Dad, what are you talking about? Yeah, I think, you... I th- the thing I cerebellum no, just fused, but yeah. One of the items that I... That I bought was this sort of turn of the probably 120 year old. It looked like it looks like an ink well, like an ink bottle. You know, when you go and buy ink, well, you don't know because you're not 100. And, you should have to be about 130 years old to have bought this particular one. Sure. Um, which you're obviously not. Well, yeah, I mean, Dad, I do ride my penny farthing to and f- from the oil yeah. refinery every day, but all right. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. The thing is, Paul, that I've got to stop saying the thing is. 
when I okay well one of the things that I bought was this uh, ink container and I went to open it it's got a cork in in the top Mm. now popped a spring loaded hundred and something year old snake it's about maybe I'll do a I might do one of my slow-mo films the people know me for on Instagram I might do a slow-mo actually I'll do a slow-mo film even maybe today and they'll get to appreciate what on earth I'm talking about. The thing is, this little snake pops out. It's it's coiled, and that's how I am, Paul, with the podcast. I'm like a coiled spring. You're like a an ancient clockwork snake crammed into a yeah into an obsolete inkwell. Like not like perhaps like a genie. Yeah, I, I, and I do the odd magic trick, but I can't grant people's wishes. If you're a genie, please can you grant the following wish? Can you get back on track and tell us the story of the crossbow thing? Actually, no. First, I would like to quickly, before we get into the crossbow story, I'd like to quickly thank everybody because, Dad, I don't know if you knew this, but Electric Blue is on the true crime pre-orders charts on Booktopia, and it's at number three. We are roaring up the charts. Oh, so I, oh, yeah, I didn't know. I did not know that. I know. Well, I wanted to surprise you on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm between moderately and very excited. Great. Well, let's see if we can upgrade that. Yeah, I am very excited. It's, that's phenomenal. Thanks for not telling me that because that injects an element of surprise into my the tone of my voice. You sound like a robot when you say that, by the way. I'm a, <clears throat> I, I always get, yeah. Look, it's, that's that's freaky. Isn't it great? I mean, first of all, thank you so much, everyone, for pre-ordering the book. Secondly, if you haven't already, I reckon we can get this up to number one. So if you head across to Booktopia or call your local bookstores or head across to penguin.com.au and look up Electric Blue, and oh my God, if we can get this on the charts before it's even come out, who knows where we'll go in the future. It's no, very it's exciting. It's, it's I'm very... excited. Too. Yep. Well, okay, now that we've had that little diatribe, let's go on to the crossbow story. Last yeah. week, you mentioned crossbows, and then we went off track. It's very unusual for us to go off track. It is off-brand, yeah. Yeah. I mentioned the crossbow, and I couldn't believe that I'd never mentioned it before. Mm. This is a really, really terrible story. It's. Do you want me to sort of go through the whole spiel? I want literally the whole thing from beginning to end, from soup to nuts. Okay. Well, this, is a, this happened on the northern beaches of Sydney and it happened uh, at, a, at a place called Deep Creek Reserve, which is up Narrabeen Way. And for people that are uh, interstate and overseas, just go to Google Maps or whatever maps you use. You might use sort of ancient maps. Um, Nautical maps. Well, which won't help at all. No. If they're very old because oh. the suburbation won't be on the map. Uh, but if you use an electronic map... <laughs> I mean, it's weird. You know how on the ABC, on our national broadcaster, they can never ever, you know, they get in trouble for saying Google? Yeah, because I used to have that, Dad, I used to have that problem on Triple J. I'd go in to yeah. talk, like, review an iPhone app and I'd have that, to... That, as if you're advertising it, but, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, the default thing, well, for a lot of people, is is, is Google. Well, it is. The problem with Google is, and I'm sure everyone knows this, but the more you use Google, the better the algorithm gets, which means yeah. if you want to uh, quit, you can't quit Google now. Back to the suburb. Um, imagine in the middle of Sydney, uh, which is yeah, it's a thriving metropolis with a, with a pretty big population and, as, as I've said before, the world's largest single entity fire, uh, fire department, which is, which is pretty amazing because mm. it covers such a vast 
area. But imagine in the middle of a, a beautiful city like Sydney, there's just this immense amount of bushland and you come across it from in various suburbs. And when you drive uh, down at Narrabeen and you head towards uh, the city, you go along the Wakehurst Parkway. Mm. And there have been some amazing uh, things that have happened on that particular stretch of road. Um, I knew a detective who was in a car accident on that stretch, same stretch, and he had his arm ripped off. Whoa. Yeah, lost an arm. He was actually a pretty tough detective, but he softened up a little bit when he only had one arm, which has really got nothing to do with the story, except to say that uh, that road is infamous for all sorts of things. But this particular guy, he he had this aversion to, um, you know how we were chatting about hate crime? Yeah. And, uh, and the sort of stuff that we mentioned um, in the last few episodes about that photo that I'd taken that was in relation to North Head where the, uh, the guy had been, you know, there'd been some really terrible um, violent hate crimes where they'd thrown um, homosexuals off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, and, this, and this was one of those haunts. I don't know whether you're familiar with that term, haunt, but it's a term um, where people would go generally at night time, but not always, to elicit um, sort of back in those days, if I can say that, it was kind of more, it was less um, in the open. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mardi Gras and things were just sort of, gaining traction and I think there was a loss a lot less um, acceptance of, um, of all these issues which is now thank God becoming you know society's moving on but this particular guy had an aversion um, but what what happened was he was actually a repressed homosexual and he went down one day he was obsessed with um, with hunting and he was obsessed. He had this really, really great knife that he used to brag about, and he kept it really, really sharp. And he went down there with a crossbow, and he uh, he shot this guy. He murdered him. And then what he did with his body, he um, he then hid his body in the water. There's a creek down there. And then a few days later, he uh, he came back with his uh, with his knife, and he began to dismember the body of this young male victim and he had a slight problem. He needed to get the body, um, I mean, dismembering a body is one thing, but you've got to then get rid of all the body parts. So what he did, he spent a long, long time cutting up the body into numerous pieces and then he would put individual body parts in a backpack because he only had a motorbike. Right. And he would then ferry the said body parts back to his apartment on the northern beaches. And he would then put all the body parts in a refrigerator. Now, he had a girlfriend at the time. And the girlfriend actually, um, she knew what he'd done. And how she knew what he'd done is that occasionally, now I want the listeners to just pause slightly because I'm about to say something seriously fucked up. Uh, which will probably make some of the listeners pretty happy because I know we've been a bit light on on gore. But I thought, no, bugger it, let's, let's get right back into it. But what this guy would do, and this is all in the public domain because there might be some people that will go and fact check what I say. Yeah. Um, but he would take the head out occasionally and roll it around the floor for fun because he used to suffer from boredom. And let's face it, who doesn't? roll heads around on their living room floors that they store in a freezer when they're bored. But worse than that, Paul, 
And this girl, his girlfriend, she would be sitting there freaking out, going, oh, golly, I can't cope. Well, I'm sure she didn't say golly. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she said, well, well, I wasn't there, obviously. But, you know, but the thing is, Paul, she couldn't cope. But what didn't she do? She didn't call the police. Well, that was exactly my first thought is like, you, first of all, you, you, I mean, if you become aware that your partner has murdered people and is an absolute psychopath, surely she'd just wait until he'd gone for one of his rides and then go and call the cops, right? Exactly. Yeah. But the problem is also that, look, they'd met at the... Uh, at a Christian church on the um, oh on the northern beaches, yeah. But it turns out that he—he's an interesting guy. I mean, believe you me, this story is so fascinating. It's so fascinating, and I'm going to take you on a, a bit of a uh, bit of a mind trip that is bloody amazing. When I when I think about this story, and it's got all sorts of twists and turns. But he met this particular girl at a Christian city church on the northern beaches. Which one? The Christian city church. No, which branch, for lack of a better The Christian city church. They were in Brookvale. Oh, I'm sorry. Brookvale. They were the first. <laughs> funnily enough, that's weird. You can keep asking the same question. I keep giving you the same answer. That's pretty funny. We could do a, like a comedy routine. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he was actually a closet Satanist. He was a devil worshipper. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So he's a closet gay, right? Yep. Which is yep. tragic because no yep. one should have a... F- yep. And then he's also a closet Satanist, which is like this Correct. whole other kink. Just for the record, how often did you encounter Satanists when you were on the force? Well... Because you know that typically speaking, Dad, Satanists are kind of chill. Like they're not... They're... No, no, but the Paul, um, you remember the Knights Templar? Uh, yeah, yeah. In fact, you did a... A bit of a thesis on it, I, didn't I, you? I did, yes, yes. The goat head, Baphomet. Yeah, Baphomet, which was, by the way, Baphomet wasn't actually worshipped by the Knights Templar. Baphomet was created, and then basic, they basically had to confess to worshipping this fictional deity under torture, mm-hmm. so they had an excuse to kill them, but yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Knights Templar, again, we could do a whole podcast on the Knights Templar, but knowing that my lovely mother listens to this podcast... Mm as do some of her friends, I'm not going to go into what the Knights Templar used to do. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. But I've read some stuff about it and it was it even makes some of today's really seriously bad people look very, very me- mediocre. I don't know whether you've actually gone into the Knights Templar, but boy, oh boy, they were out there. But that's another story. So the thing is, Paul, that this particular guy, he he was actually a uh, you know a devil devil worshiper, but he had, had I don't know whether he, why he went to the Christian City Church. Perhaps it was to to seek salvation, or, or did he have ulterior motives? But he was clearly um, pretty bad. You know how I said he used to roll the head around like a bowling ball? Yeah, yeah. Lower in the apartment in Collaroy. Do you know what else he used to do? Uh, it's even, it possibly was. He used to get other body parts and, and set them up on the floor and make jigsaws out of them. He actually used to mix all the parts around and then try and put them together in some human form. Hang on, hang on. Just quickly, all all you've told us about is when he went and killed that one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's He's killed one so far. And then he dismembers the person. Yeah. So he left the body in, in, in the water, which yeah. is kind of simple in a way, because whether he did this wittingly or unwittingly is that that would have softened up the body somewhat. Because mm. uh, as you and the listeners know, I, I had a lot to do with bodies that have been out in the ocean, you know, drownings, etc. Yeah. And the body does soften up, which means... And his knife, he used to brag that his knife could cut a tomato easier than a razor blade. He used to carry the stone, the sharpening stone with him. But he was very articulate and and fairly sort of, I won't say charismatic, but he was a very interesting character. Um, Smart, very smart. But his girlfriend, see, that they were into drugs and they used to do a lot of LSD. Right. And back in those days, you used to be able to get confetti and it had been dipped in LSD. So you'd, you could do two things. Imagine going to a wedding, celebrating the wedding, then tripping on the confetti. Well, the pigeons often eat the stuff that gets thrown in there at weddings. You'd have pigeons you're right, tri- you're right. tripping the white fantastic. They just fly into buildings and yeah. break their neck. Through buildings. So he'd be trying to reassemble and playing around with these frozen body parts. And the girl sitting there, imagine she's off a face, tripping on whatever and looking down at this psychopath, but she loved him and loves a funny thing. He managed to sort of get her involved in his way of thinking. Now, before I tell you about the second horrific crime they committed, I say they because this was him committing the first crime, and she's complicit in that she knows things and doesn't notify the authorities. So because of her inaction, one can then justifiably surmise that the next crime that was committed uh, could have been 
thwarted by the authorities if she had have notified them, which she failed to do. So by omission, she's set the, the path for uh, the next horrendous crime. Yeah, of course. But prior to, prior to going down that path, Paul, I would like to say to you, and this is going to creep some people out really badly, and that is that we've made mention of people that do terrible things to animals. This particular guy, he is to torture cats. Oh, Dad. Well, no, no, hear me out. This is really important. Christine is sitting over there on the lounge. She just looked over and grimaced at me. But that's not the worst part of that particular story. And I want you to really listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Her, sorry, his grandmother used to encourage him to do that. She used to show him how to do it. His grandma. And that's a fact. Now... What do you think of that? Okay. I can tell by your silence that that's pretty horrific. But that's a fact. Yeah. Look, sometimes, you know... Uh, yeah. No, it's interesting. Go on. Isn't it fascinating? What on earth... I mean, I don't think there are many people out there whose grandmothers would have done that. How many people who commit terrible crimes do you think were taught to do those things by their parents or grandparents or loved ones? And I'm not making excuses for some of the worst living scum bad people and this guy was clearly as stated by criminal psychiatrists he was a psychopath but i do draw mention to the worst most diabolical prisoner in tasmania at the time who may still be alive i don't know but he was um destined never ever to be released i put a caveat in before what i'm about to say in that i'm in no way justifying his actions however for those people that have been to Tasmania, particularly in winter, will know how freezing it is. And as a two-year-old, he, when he wet the bed, his father would drag him out into the cold and lash him to the base of the clothesline and leave him out there all night. Now, I'm not saying that we can justify or he can justify what he did, his actions, as, as he got older. But you have to say that that type of upbringing from that age, being treated like that, has to have had a dramatic effect on his future. Mm. I say I'm not making excuses for the scum, but look at the look at the father. Of course, of course. And in this particular case, this guy's grandmother was a fucking psychopath. And it's when I read that, because I do, I, I did a bit of research on this particular case. And I read it, and I read it again, and I read it again, and I thought, you know what, this can't be real. So I went through the coronial findings, and I put together all the information, and that these are facts um, introduced into evidence. So it's um, that's good enough for me, and it's scary. Um, but then what happened was, once you get a, a taste of killing, so they say, you then yearn to keep going. Then he and his girlfriend, they caught a taxi up in Collaroy, and this was the father. I think it was the driver was, I think he had six children. They caught a ride, and then uh, he reached from, he was in the back seat, and he um, slit the driver's throat, basically tried to uh, cut his head off. And again, uh, a terrible, terrible crime. Uh, the girl was there at the time. Yeah, then what happened was they, with that particular guy, they um, cut his head off and... Um, they then wrapped his uh, torso in mesh. They threw it into the uh, into into the river. It actually came up, floated up. 
they actually did it in Pittwater, in, up in the uh, Pittwater River location. The the offender, he was actually uh, stabbed in the chest during the fight. Hang on, hang on. He, so the guy who re- he reaches over the seat and tries to you know use the knife on the driver, and then the driver stabs him. Yeah, well, they had the guy had his uh, when the father of six was being attacked in the cab uh, with his sharp and neat knife. The forty-two-year-old dad, he, he's valiantly fought for his life. And Mr. Leonard, uh, Leonard, uh, first name, he stabbed the, ta- the cab driver 37 times and slashed his throat. Now, in anyone's books, 37 times is, is a lot. So it's a very, um, it's, it's just, you can't imagine. It's frenzied, you know. It's frenzied, that's right. Yeah. The, the cab driver tried to grab the knife from the driver hmm. during the struggle and they managed to turn off the taxi's ignition. But the, the jury um, later rejected the girl who was guilty of murder. When they went to get attention for this stab wound, you know, at St Vincent's Hospital, uh, of course, the hospital notified the police and uh, the police came in and, you know, just sort of that's, that's what sort of instigated the, the examination, you know, the whole process. But this couple who'd committed this terrible crime, they were also, they'd been actually discussing uh, making a movie about the whole thing about the killing of the taxi driver. And they were clearly uh, insane. While all this had been happening, the body, the torso, was still in the freezer at his apartment. Oh, shit. And then he got back and then he wrapped that in chicken wire. So you know how I said before about the, the taxi driver? That was wrong. I'm sorry. He was, he was, he had his throat slit and was stabbed 37 times, you know. But, but with the other guy in the freezer, he still had to get rid of that. So then he threw that into pit water and then that came back up because you know how dead, bodies and they they start to sort of fill up with air yeah and boat and then it came ashore and then they began to uh to unravel the entire case and um yeah it's it's pretty heavy but paul as if all i've told you and the listeners is pretty bad or isn't bad enough two things that are an aside to the story but very very interesting and one of them is that your grandmother my mother yes who taught who taught at the same school you went to when you first went to school I've got a photograph of you standing like the sweetest little kid in your little shorts outside Cromer Public School. Well, the murderer went to that school as well, and your grandmother taught him. Isn't that incredible? That's Now that, see, Dad, your stories sometimes do like wind and weave a little bit. And I was sitting here going, why did, why did this story come up at all and then I remember that last episode yeah you mentioned that grandma taught a guy who killed someone with a crossbow and this is the story of that guy so okay so when did she teach him well I can get the specifics but it would have been well I guess okay let's work it out he was in his 20s in the 80s so mum would have taught him probably in the golly in the 80s early 80s 70s maybe 70s 80s I'll talk to mum and and find out exactly, and maybe look. She may even tell me some other weird shit about it. Like she may have some sort of repressed um, memories of what he was like as a student, or he may have been incredibly. He's a really smart guy. Yeah, it's it's also possible that there's a case of. I mean, there could be a case of confirmation bias. You know, when you talk to someone who knew somebody who did something awful, and they go, "Oh yeah, I always thought he was weird," but it's possible that their current memories are being coloured by the fact Correct. of what they yeah, found out. Yeah, you're right. But Paul, I. I'm not going to say I'm obsessed with wristwatches, but when I was maybe, mm, let me see, when I was in my, I was probably 11 or 12, 
in Beacon Hill, there used to be the Beacon Hill Plaza, which is now McDonald's slash service station. Yep. But be called the Beacon Hill Plaza. And every afternoon, I used to go to the newsagent, buy some mixed lollies. Back in the day, when you could you could buy five cents worth, which was basically a whole bag. There was a chemist shop next door, and every single afternoon after school, five afternoons a week, bearing in mind that. I'm not obsessive, but I actually really am. And I used to stand outside that shop window, the chemist window, and he used to sell Timex watches. And I used to just fantasize about one day I'd be able to buy myself a watch. And the watches that were really like a diving watch, because I, I, even though I'd never done any diving, I just had this feeling that one day I'd do scuba diving. <laughs> and that's what inspired me to get the mowing run, do the manly daily run, work at Woolies pushing trolleys, and, and the parcel pick up and just getting money that I could eventually, and eventually I bought my first Timex diving watch from the chemist shop. And it cost me $30. And it turns out this lovely, lovely chemist, and I can remember him, he was—he looked like, the best analogy I can give you is he kind of looked like Colonel Sanders. He just had that white hair. He just had this air of sort of he was a gentleman. He was so lovely, kind. He used to let me try watches on. And he, and he probably thought, God, when is this guy going to buy a watch? I was only 12 or 13. But eventually, I did get the watch, $29. Here's the sad thing, Paul. That terrible, terrible guy that murdered uh, those people and dismembered, he used to play with the, the body parts. Well, this chemist was his grandfather. Isn't that incredible? So doesn't that mean, hang on, so was his wife the guy with the cats? Well, I was thinking about that this morning, coming back over the Harbour Ridge. I was preparing myself mentally for this story, and of course it could have been the other side of the family, couldn't yeah. it? But we don't know about that. I can talk to my mother about that That's as well. That's fucking weird. What a small world. What a small world. It all happened on the northern beaches. Mm. Many, many of your stories in your first and second book take place. And if you can imagine amplifying the, the geography. Mm. Having said that, I think the northern beaches of Sydney were pretty whacked out. I think there are some places in Sydney that were... I remember growing up as a teenage boy on the northern beaches, and I just remember that it was, it was surreal. Yeah. But it was amazing as well. It was just such a great place to... To grow up. There's a really interesting kind of vibe to these stories, and I think partly the geography affects them. And I, you know, I, I really hope that, uh, especially Electric Blue, really does capture that kind of weirdness because it's got a kind of it's got a kind of David Lynch vibe at certain points. Honestly, your stories are really upsetting, and I think this has been a absolute belter of an episode, and really, frankly, disturbing. But I mean, obviously, sometimes we look at this show and go, okay, so it's during the Fire Brigade years, but this felt like a very natural thing to dip back into. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of Loose Units. And don't forget to join us later in the week for an episode of Loose Ends. And also, yeah, thank you so much for pre-ordering the book and getting it to up to number three. Dad, do you think um, we can get it up to number one? Without a doubt. In fact, is there a number higher than one? <laughs> it's like some letter on the Greek alphabet or something. Get it up to alpha. But I, I really do want to just say thank you so much. I'm so happy with this book, and I, I think you'll really like it. And I hope I did Dad's stories justice in it. And also, Paul, let's just, again, thank our wonderful, wonderful listeners. I mean, we had feedback from Japan yesterday. And, you know, the longer they listen to the podcasts and be, and become – it's like a – I don't like to use – yes, I do. I'll use a cliche. We are like a family. Not the family that were a bunch of psychopaths, but we're like a close-knit group that 
with it find, you know, comfort and solace, even though my stories are not always comforting. Yeah. But people have come along for the ride and for those people that have been with us since the year dot, which is actually two years ago. So that's not big dot, of course. Yeah, it's it's great. And, uh, and you know, we're getting some very, very strong feedback in relation to the podcast about uh, the funeral business. And boy, oh boy, that's <clears throat> going to open up a can of worms. Yep, it's going to be a whole thing. So we've got a very, very interesting, super, super packed year with heaps mm. of news that we can't talk about just yet. See what I just did then with the word worms? You know, working with you has been the thrill, Paul. I, I love working with you. I, we've got a great rapport and, you know, it's it's... It's wonderful. It's an enviable uh, relationship we have in terms of father-son. It's, it's been fantastic. I, I love working with you. Oh, you too, Dad. It's 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 great. It's really just changed my life for the better. It's it's fantastic stuff. I really hope at some point we get to be at some awards ceremony and we get to kind of wave some things around and sort of thank everyone in what person. Would wave, what would you wave around? Uh, It'd be more specific. Probably the award. Oh, cool. Well, it could be heavy. It could be heavy. That's why we lift it together. Oh. Uh, On that note. Yep, on that note. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units, and we'll see you later this week. Bye. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.